John. Welcome to the Post Sermon Podcast. I am Deaconess Dahlia, and with me today is Pastor Adam. Hey, Deaconess. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. We are only, how many days from Christmas now? We're recording on Wednesday the 20th. Oh, man. So we're almost there. How are you feeling about this? Uh, Fine. (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. We got our last Advent services tonight. Uh, I'm looking forward to the O Antiphons on Sunday morning, and then we'll have our Eve services. And I'm excited to see what people think of... uh, how we go about singing for Christmas Eve this year. And, you know, this week is always tough because we think, oh, it's just a few days before Christmas. But it's really easy to just rush the Advent season. We're still in Advent, and there's a lot here, right, for yeah. us to Absolutely, and that's even cherish. why uh, the Sunday morning service, it's still Advent 4 because Christmas Eve comes in the evening, <laughs> right? And so, uh, yeah, that's that's part of the – this is kind of a calm Sunday morning with uh, – the deep breath before the plunge. Tell me about the text that you preached on. So this is from Advent 3. I preached on the gospel reading, which was Matthew 11, verses 2 through 11. And specifically, this is dealing with uh, John the Baptist is in prison, and he sends his disciples to Jesus with that famous question, are you the one who is to come, or should we look for someone else? And then you get Jesus' response, uh, you know, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, and just on and on you go. Uh, the dead are raised, the, the poor have good news preached to them. And once they leave, then Jesus turns to the crowds and starts to talk to them, and we get some of his uh, dialogue with them, and that's the reading. What was the central teaching of your sermon? Central teaching, Jesus drums God's stories into the ears of John and his disciples. What does that mean exactly? Jesus drums God's story into the ears of John and his disciples. Uh, I was going back to this idea of, of narrator and how, as Christians, we are to be narrators of God's story. And we see this play out with Jesus and John's disciples and then through them back to John of how Jesus is saying, look what's happening. Here's what I'm doing. This is the story of God putting things right. And it kind of gets to a, a question that we wonder about with with John in prison. And this is kind of a, a I don't know if it's famous, but it's a you kind of get to do an either or. You know, why does John ask his question? Um, why might some ask, or why might some? Uh, what are some options of why John might ask his question of Jesus? Well, he might be doubting that Jesus is the one that is to come. I think that's the more prevalent. Uh, approach in our era well john is having a crisis of faith john is having doubts in prison right the reign of god supposed to be this putting things right right king jesus rules but king herod put me in prison what's going on and so is john having a crisis of faith and so he has to relay a message through his disciples to jesus to hear that word now what's interesting is if you look earlier in the church's history, uh, especially when uh, you're in the early church and there's a great deal of persecution, uh, the church fathers there would often interpret John's question as not a crisis of faith. That They would kind of say that John he never doubted, never had any worries. He, you know, he, yeah, Jesus is the one. But rather, he was trying to help his disciples who are doubting. And even here by putting the question on their lips and sending them to Jesus is kind of John's final act of pointing people to Jesus. And so, and so you kind of see John as a sort of resolute hero of faith. He's faithful to the end, which is a really 
nice example uh, to follow when you know martyrdom is so prevalent and to confess the faith all the way to death. Now, which one does Scripture give us? We're not sure. Yeah, right? we don't know. And so that's kind of a, a fun thing to kind of lean into of how we apply these verses. And so going back to the drumming idea, um, I just kind of left it ambiguous. And uh, John needs to hear the story. His disciples need to hear the story. And then, of course, we need to hear God's story drummed and repeated into our ears again and again, uh, no matter what. Yeah, and then you, the title of your sermon is Eavesdropping Narrators, right? So we're eavesdropping on this conversation with John the Baptist and Jesus um, and his disciples, right? Yeah, yeah. And then you bring in this book, which I'm holding right now, The Character of Virtue, um, which has different letters that the author, Stanley Hauerwas, wrote to his godson, correct? Yeah, so the it's a pretty approachable read. It's um, uh, Hawass has a, a godson, and I think at the time, uh, his godson was living in England while Hawass was down in at Duke University. And so with the Atlantic Pond between them, he would write a letter to his godson each year on his birthday about a different virtue. And that's the book, you know, 13 letters or so, or, you know, however many before the publisher said, okay, let's go ahead and publish this. Um and uh, the chapter on, on hope and the sort of virtue of hope is what I leaned into uh, for the, my reflections during the sermon. Yeah, so why this topic of eavesdropping and why focusing on this letter instead of the reading? I think one of the challenges with talking about hope is it can be a word that feels whimsical or not really sure you know, it's, a, it's more like a wish or luck. But hope for the Christian is a very, very sure thing. You know, how Romans 8 speaks of this, uh, Romans 5, the, you know, Hauerwas quotes. Uh, but hope is also found in the, in the midst and the context of suffering and endurance and perseverance. But our hope is sure because Christ is risen. And hope is a common theme in the Advent season as we're looking forward to Christmas, the, you know, the hope of the return of Christ. But I, I do wonder if it's a word that sort of washes over us, that we hear the word hope so much, you see it kind of plastered on cards and whatever, and it's a word that just doesn't have really definition and meaning anymore. And so even if I just say, you know, John's looking for hope in the reading, or his disciples are looking for hope, how do I connect it to my hearers and our expectation of hope or, or living out of the reality of the hope we have in Christ? And so I thought this idea of, well, we're already eavesdropping on conversations, so just lay another one in. And here is a, an, an elder Christian giving instruction to a very young Christian. Here's what hope looks like. And there's something really beautiful to seeing, you know, maybe a more present-day conversation about hope, but also here's a Christian who has run the race far longer than this young Christian, you know, who you know, has yet to experience more suffering or what endurance looks like, or what does the building of character really mean. Uh, there, there's something really beautiful to say, here's someone who's run the race a little further than me. I can follow in his stead. And now you kind of get echoes of, is John directing his disciples? Right? And he, he, those are some of the ideas there, and kind of bringing hope to the present day into hopefully um, more than just a word that just kind of sounds like white noise. For sure. And I think this letter gives so much meaning to what hope is. 
because you're right, we, we hear this word a lot and in different contexts, and I think it does get, wa- it's, its meaning, its true meaning gets just washed away with everything. And there were some things that you had read to us that just really struck me, how God had created us to be hopeful creatures. Um, and then he had this line about eschatology, which I know is a big word, big theological word. How would you define ex- eschatology? It just means the study of the end or the last things. Eschatos in Greek is just last. So, so thinking so of the end times, sure. like when Jesus sure. comes again. So eschatology names a hope that defies frustrations by locating where we are in terms of an end, which gives the present meaning, which I know is like one of those lines. You kind of have to think about what that means, but I think it means what we do now matters because what the end is going to be. So we can have hope of what our end is, right? Which gives meaning to our present. Yeah. I, I, I don't remember the exact quote, but I remember my, uh, my high school principal one time in a school chapel uh, mentioned uh, I peeked at the end of the Bible and I saw the end. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the great joy we have as Christians is we know the end is set in Christ. The hope is not fanciful. The hope is real. It's as real as the risen flesh and blood of our God. And that directly shapes how we go about living today. Yeah, and he goes on to say this is one of the virtues necessary for living into the story. So just this just this whole idea of us being narrators of God's story, right? Um, I mean, hope is the way that we can we can tell others, right? Uh, and I, something else I really liked in this letter is he talks about how children act and how they really show hope in a, in a way that we, we don't always see. Yeah, um, the Chesterton quote, right? It's the Chesterton quote. Yeah. It says here, because children have abounding vitality because they are in spirit fierce and free. Therefore they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again, and the grown-up person does it again <laughs> until he is nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exalt in monotony, but perhaps God is strong enough to exalt in monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun, and every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes every daisy alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately but has never got tired of making them. So just a really cool picture that, yes, we know kids love to repeat things over and over again and how really that just shows the hope that they have. Yeah. Uh, I think even back to, the, back to the curse given to man at the fall that, you know, that, you know, by the sweat of your brow, you'll bring forth food and just work becomes toil and drudgery. And part of what makes work toil and drudgery is the, sort of ceaseless repetition and I don't see what this brings about and not even I don't even see what this brings us about but I just I hate the repeating of it Uh, monotony takes a that's not a positive sounding word and yet here what Chesterton's doing with it is remind us that God just finds incredible joy in getting to be the creator again and again and again and that is something that's so foreign to us in our fallen state and I, I thought it was just a really cool image how the how a child where repeating something over and over gets boring the older you get but the child is, is just full of life and vitality and uh what, what a cool image of our god 
I think also something like like in Hebrews, it talks about let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. And now we even just see uh, our God going about the work of saving us. And yes, the misery and the gloom and the suffering and the pain and all the awfulness of the cross. And yet even in that, there was, there was a joy in God's work to put it all right. And I think that's part of why we look at Good Friday with awe of how does God even want to do this? And he does. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. This is the great joy of our God to put it all right again. How did you intend to benefit your hearers and their faith or life? Uh, I wanted to encourage uh, the congregation in their baptismal vocation of being narrators. Um, as Christians, uh, we hear the story of God. The story of God uh, encounters us, captures us, if you will, by baptism, and now you're thrown into it. And we're waiting for the, the resolution of it all, the denouement of the return of Christ. And in the meantime, we have a role in that story, and that is to tell it again and again. We tell it to each other. We tell it to the world. And uh, our task is to be narrators. Um, even think about just the Romans verses of how they hear without someone preaching to them. It's chapter 10, and or faith comes by hearing. And also, as Christians, you can be a Christian for a long time, and you still need to hear the story. You can still have sort of self-doubt of, yeah, my sins are too great. Or does God actually love me? And we need someone to say, he does. And let me tell you again and again and again until the end. Yeah, and that's something I appreciate about the letter too is Harawas talks about our need for others. We can't have hope alone. We need other people to tell us this hope. And we, too, are narrators and need to speak into this hope to the other people in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. And this is not just something that's reserved for pastors and church workers. This is a responsibility of the baptized. Our vocation is to narrate and to narrate the story of stories, the one that all their stories point to, whether they mean to or not, all rooted in Christ. This wraps up the episode for today. Thank you for listening to our discussion. In case you missed today's sermon or you'd like to listen to it again, the link to the sermon's in the show notes. You can also find the sermon on our church website, stjohndevlin.org. If you, the listener, would like to submit a question about a sermon, please email us at podcast at stjohndevlin.org. Thank you, Pastor, for joining me and for feeding us the word this week. Uh, thanks, Deaconess. And maybe we should give a little heads up about recording schedule as we head into the into Christmas tide. Um, at some point, I'll plan to do some recordings for Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. Um, but I do not know the day or the hour when that will happen and when they will come out, but uh, look for those in the podcast feed at some point. All right. That sounds good. Thank you, Pastor. Thanks all. Bye. All right. Take care, you guys. Bye.